San Diego County is turning purple. And I'm not talking about the election, I'm talking about the pandemic. For the first time, the region's case rate has increased beyond the limit of the red tier. The county has a case rate of 7.4 cases per 100,000 residents, and the limit is 7. If there's another elevated case rate next week, many indoor businesses' activities would have to be closed for at least two weeks, and possibly longer. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Paul Sisson, you've been covering the uh, coronavirus pandemic the entire time, and the thing that people have been warning about has finally happened. We are nearing the purple tier. Why don't you tell us about the trends? How have things changed recently? Well, you know, uh, according to what our public health leaders in San Diego County said yesterday, people just aren't wearing their masks enough. They're not social distancing enough. You know, it's the same stuff they've been talking about for eight months. People are just doing it less than they were uh, eight months ago uh, or even a few months ago. Um, you know, and uh, we have holidays that are happening. Uh, we, we just got through Halloween and we, we've got Thanksgiving up next on the docket. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, people, you know, th- there's this talk of pandemic fatigue. People are just starting to get this feeling, you know, enough already. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Uh, and so that will naturally uh, drive up the number of cases uh, that you will experience. Mm-hmm. And before we get too deep into the weeds, can you explain how this tier system works? Oh, sure. Uh, so the state has two different metrics that they follow, two different basic numbers that they calculate every Tuesday. Uh, they give a report of scores for every county, all 58 counties in the state. One is the case rate, the number of cases per 100,000 residents. These are confirmed cases with a uh, coronavirus test that has come back positive. Uh, And then the other is the uh, positivity rate. And all that is is just dividing the total number of positive cases by, by all the tests that were done. So positive tests divided by all tests to give you a percentage of those tests that are positive. So those are the two uh, the two main factors that the state is um, judging every county on once a week. They have these uh, tiers. Purple uh, is the lowest tier. Red, one notch above that. Then you've got orange and then yellow above that. And so that's all um, kind of stratified by what your case rate is and what your positivity rate is. So the danger that San Diego is in right now is just that the borderline between the red tier where we are and the purple tier one down from us, uh, more restrictive uh, tier, is a a case rate of no more than seven per 100,000 residents. And that's measured for a week ago. They go back one week and look at all of the cases, the positive tests that came in in the the previous week. They look every Monday. And um, and so that uh, is how they put these numbers together. Mm -hmm. And We've been kind of lucky for the past several weeks because San Diego County has been doing so much testing. Can you explain that adjustment as well? Right. So uh, not only are they calculating these rates, um, they're coming in and also saying, okay, we don't want to create a loophole where counties can just drive their numbers down by just not testing anybody, right? That would be a really easy way to bring your overall number of cases down. Just don't test anybody or test fewer people than you were in the past. Um, and not only that, uh, but they, they want to make sure that there is robust testing in a community as well. So what they do is they give you an adjustment based on the number of tests that you're performing in that one-week period that they're looking at every week. Um, 
And so if your overall number of tests per 100,000 residents is higher than the median across the whole state, they'll adjust your, your base case rate down. And likewise, if, um, if your testing rate is lower than the state median, they'll adjust your case rate up. Uh, and so that's the benefit that San Diego has had for weeks in a row now. We've been over seven pretty much every week for quite a while, uh, but we've had enough testing coming in that we've been over the state median. So, so they've taken rates that are over seven and dropped them below seven with this, uh, with this adjustment that we get. Yeah, it's been certainly interesting. It's like we've consistently been in this borderline range, but only now has the number of daily cases finally gotten us to the point in which the alarm bell is actually ringing. Right, right. We've been kind of dancing along the edge of this uh, week after week where, where our case rate will come in over seven, but the testing rate will pull us back. And so we're just kind of living on this very, very narrow edge of falling into the purple tier. And so now what actually happened this week was our raw case rate uh, was significantly over eight cases per 100,000. Uh, and our adjustment was only something like 14%. So we did, we get, we did get dropped down from a rate that was over eight to a rate that was only 7.4, but that was just still too, a little bit too much to keep us out of the purple tier. This has been happening quite a lot where we're dancing on the edge of this case rate around seven, where we'll actually have a raw score that's significantly over seven, but the, the robust amount of testing we're doing in that given week is able to reduce our score enough that we stay under seven. This week, we are, our raw score came in significantly over eight. I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but we did get a, we did get a very nice testing bonus, the best we've ever gotten. It, it dropped our score by 14% down to 7.4, but this was the first time where, where testing just, you know, it just couldn't quite save us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is worth noting that, that the daily cases reported have been anywhere from like 75 to like 100 more than they were like two, three weeks ago. So the trends are there. It's just it took a while for all of these dominoes to line up, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I mean, in a county of three million people, uh, a couple hundred cases a day or 75 cases a day is not like a huge surge, but it does... It does kind of push you into that inflexible tier system. It kind of starts to move you in a direction that, that puts you under. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's not been a massive shift in numbers. Uh, we certainly haven't seen it affect the local hospitalization rate. Uh, you know, we're still seeing COVID patients make up around 6% of all hospitalized patients. You know, we're, we're usually under 300 hospitalized COVID patients, and we've usually got three or 4,000 uh, patients in hospital beds across the county for one reason or another who don't have COVID. So, uh, so COVID really has not hit our hospitals very hard at this, at this point in terms of causing overflow or inundation like we're seeing in other states. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to next week, um, this will include the cases that could be connected to Halloween, right? I think so. Uh, you know, the general incubation rate is anywhere from like three to 10 days, you know, at, at the longest two weeks. But most, most cases show themselves in less than two weeks. So I think you could really start to see a fair number of cases in the numbers um, next week. Uh, you know, the thing is that they're looking at... Um, at a period that ends with Halloween. Uh, Halloween is the last day in the next set, next seven day adjustment period that they're gonna be looking at on Monday and announcing on Tuesday. So it's a little unclear to me 
whether a lot of those cases will actually see illness onset because they go by illness onset, not the date on which the cases were reported to the public. So if you got infected on Halloween, I'd actually say that you probably are going to be in the next window after this um, because the the window that they're going to be looking at ends on Halloween. So so those Halloween infections uh, from that weekend probably will trickle into the next period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a number of delays, of course. Like, let's say you got sick on Halloween. Maybe you're feeling symptoms today. You might not get tested until two days from now. So that causes that ripple effect to kind of echo throughout the weeks. Yeah, it's going to take like a couple days for your symptoms to appear and then a couple more days for you to feel like you need to get tested. So and then a couple days for maybe for, for those results to come back positive. So, there, yeah, like you say, there is this lag effect. Mm-hmm. And we know that COVID-19 cases are dangerously high nationwide. Uh, The single-day record was broken yesterday with more than 100,000 cases and more than 1,600 deaths. It seems like San Diego has always been kind of behind the national trends. Why do you think there are so many kind of differences here than what we're seeing across the country? Well, I think what the public health people would say is, you know, we we have uh, taken it more slowly than a lot of places. We have kept things much more locked down than they have in, say, El Paso, Texas, uh, that is seeing a massive, massive increase in their hospitalization rates uh, to the point where I I saw a story on a a local news site in Texas just the other day where they were considering that they might have to start putting patients in their local convention center because the hospitals are full. So I guess what they would say is that that our, our numbers have not moved up as quickly as elsewhere simply because we we have a mask mandate. Uh, we have some level of, of enforcement. Uh, we are not allowing businesses to fully reopen as quickly as other places are. Um, you know, there are others who would argue, you know, whether that takes into account. And it really doesn't take into account the fact that so many businesses and individuals' livelihoods have been harmed uh, by this uh, whole pandemic and, and California's slower uh, process and reopening. Certainly, there are many people out there who are suffering uh, with their incomes really reduced. So, you know, it's not a not a zero sum game here. Yeah, certainly. And even places that didn't lock down are feeling the economic harm. I've seen some stories out of the Midwest in which, you know, just because people have the fear of the virus, even if the government isn't enforcing it, people still make their own rationalist decisions. So, in some cases, that economic activity just isn't there anymore. Yeah, that's very, very true. It's. Uh... You know, you really feel for people who are in that situation and uh, and you really hope that uh, we can continue to find ways to help them. Uh, you know, I mean, people are suffering. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And hopefully a stimulus does come in, in the coming weeks. And uh, on the point of what governments can do, uh, you asked a question at the press conference yesterday asking if there would be more enforcement of the rules because COVID fatigue is real. Some businesses are planning on defying. What do we know about that strategy? Right. They they really showed their hand a little bit, I think, uh, last Friday when they issued eight different cease and desist orders to several fraternities, one sorority, and then some houses that had you know, or just kind of houses around San Diego State University. Um, And it was really the first time that they've taken a super proactive step to prevent parties from happening, gatherings from happening. Uh, Dr. Wooten said yesterday in yesterday's uh, COVID news brief that, uh, 
you know, we got some flyers that somebody sent to us about these parties that were supposed to be happening at these specific locations. Uh, so we took action to send them cease and desist letters. And then we followed up and sent, uh, you know, our own public health people out there along with uh, campus security to keep an eye on what was going on at those locations. And we feel like we did a good job of kind of stopping those parties from getting started in the first place. You know, the, I talked to some of the fraternity folks on Friday uh, night and they said, well, we don't we don't know of any parties that were actually planned by the fraternities. We're, we're really trying hard here to, to follow the rules, uh, but we can't really stop others in the community from just deciding to do what they want and put out flyers about parties at our locations that we haven't necessarily endorsed. So it's a little unclear exactly who made these plans and how real they were. And I think the, the, the fraternity uh, gentleman that I sp spoke to just, he said, we think that this was all, you know, just, uh, just incorrect and and uh, and made up uh so so it's a little unclear exactly what was going on there but but the county's response was very very real they worked very hard i, I think after seeing a bump from uh, memorial day after seeing a bump from uh, the fourth of july and what have you um they are just uh starting to say we are not going to sit back and wait for something to happen we're gonna we're gonna go into a preventive mode as much as we can um, now, you know, local law enforcement has been somewhat reluctant to get quite that aggressive. So it's a little unclear exactly, uh, you know, what will happen in, in the 18 different cities uh, across this county as, as the public health order needs to be enforced in certain situations, especially, say, around the Thanksgiving holiday. Some of this is, is nearly impossible to enforce. How do you how do you pull up to the front of somebody's house and know, uh, you know, whether there's more than three households present there to, to eat Thanksgiving dinner? And how do you see through the walls inside the house and see if everybody's keeping their social distance and wearing masks when they're not eating? Like a lot of this is, is uh, just down to personal responsibility. It's, it's almost unenforceable. Yeah, it's like you almost kind of want to have business leaders pushing, hey, guys, be reasonable. Otherwise, we're going to have to close down because. That, I guess, is the real threat is that, you know, of course, no one wants a dramatic, you know, increase in cases. But at this point of, you know, people living with reality for so long, we've gotten numb to it. So I think it's those shifts that can actually change behavior when we become so accustomed to this weird reality. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And I, I think there may come out of this some um, feeling of protection of our local businesses. Let's do what we can to help them reopen rather than just being angry about the system that the government has come up with. I wonder if we'll reach a point where people say, all right, let's just wear the masks more often. Let's do what we can to keep our businesses, our favorite restaurant. Let's do what we can to keep them open. Mm -hmm. I haven't really noticed that exact shift yet, but I just wonder if it's, if it might happen. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And when we look at the broad trends of where the virus has gone nationally you could attribute a lot of the spikes to the fact that it's getting colder in much of the continental U.S. Knowing that we're getting into our cooler, rainier season, how worried are you about how San Diegans will handle the winter? You know, I've lived in the Midwest a little bit, so it's still a little hard for me to call what we have here winter. Um, Everything's relative. We don't get a lot of snow, uh, but, you know, it, it, it is still cold enough to dry people indoors more. We, we you know, we, we should have an easier time of it than, than Nebraska, certainly, <laughs> or Iowa or anywhere where, you know, Minnesota, obviously. Um, 
but I, you know, I, we see it every year with the flu season in San Diego. We, we see cases really start to spike in January, February, kind of the coldest months when people are indoors more. They're not outside recreating as much as they are in the spring or fall or summer. So, yeah, I think that you will see something similar to what you see with the flu uh, in terms of some kind of bump. Um, I think it comes down to how much people are willing to stay away from each other and, and, and take those precautions, you know, obviously that the health department has been asking them to take, um, you know, it will be, I think most interesting to see how it goes in schools, um, where you often have, especially, you know, in some schools, um, kids pretty close together in a, in a closed environment. Um, you know, the research we've seen from other states that have opened, reopened schools earlier than us is that. You don't seem to see a lot of super spreading events coming out of schools. Uh, people are enforcing the mask wearing, and even if they're they're a little more tightly packed than you might like with the six foot distance recommendation, it, it doesn't seem like there have been a lot of huge outbreaks in K twelve schools where where the, where they've traced the exposure to the actual school rooms themselves. Uh, you know where we've seen outbreaks associated with schools. It's been in universities, you know, like we saw what we saw at SDSU. And, and what was very clear there was, you know, that it didn't really seem like the on-campus behavior was what was driving it. It was parties and things that were going on outside of the classroom. So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think you could probably, you could definitely expect some kind of increase uh, due to cooler weather um, but I think it will be less severe here, certainly, than a lot of places. We can only hope that things, you know, kind of keep at this track. San Diego relatively has been lucky compared to other urban areas. So let's hope, uh, you know, we're not jinxing it at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's some luck. And I think people have taken it maybe a little ser- more seriously than others have in other places as well. I mean, I don't think it's all down to luck. I think that people have worked pretty hard uh, as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Paul Sisson. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you want to include the San Diego Union Tribune in your morning routine, check out our daily flash briefing. Every weekday morning, hear a quick summary of the day's top stories. Just search San Diego Union Tribune wherever you get your podcasts, including smart speakers. Until next time.